0: Gives it to West, sweeping to the left, cuts it inside the numbers, and he's in! Touchdown, Raven! He clutches, he throws a lob down the right side for He makes the catch at the 35, to the 15, (laughs) shakes a defender at the
1: 10, and (laughs) Cronk is into the end zone! Here's Henry on the left side, to the 15, barrels his way, into the end zone! Touchdown!
2: Titans. Kareem Hunt at the 40-yard line, angling left 30. He's at the 25, 20, 15,
0: 10, 5. Touchdown, Kansas City. It is up. He's got plenty of distance. He missed it. And he missed, he missed it. it. He missed it. <laughs> he missed the kick. <laughs> oh.
2: oh, oh, oh,
0: oh, oh. Wow. Throw. End zone. Caught. Michael Crabtree. Hat trick. His third of the day. Give it to me again.
3: Touchdown
2: Brady.
1: The quick throw right side is going to be intercepted in the end zone. To leave with a blocker in front on Prescott. To leave at the 15, 10, 5, Touchdown Denver!
0: And that is how the game comes to a close. The Atlanta Falcons successfully open Mercedes Benz Stadium with a 34 23 win over the Green Bay Packers. Atlanta now 2 0. The Packers
1: fall to 1 1
0: on the season.
1: Hello and welcome to The Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips getting you in the game. Week two is in the books. Loads for us to get into a power play week from the AFC. Loads of great performances from AFC teams. So coming up in the show, Matthew Sherry, the editor of Gridiron and Simon Clancy are going to be joining us. We're also going to hear from uh, Miles Jack, the Jaguars linebacker after their tough loss against the Titans this week. And looking forward to their game in London this coming weekend. Loads for us to get into. Uh, Ollie Hunter joining me as always, Ollie have you quite got over last night yet?
3: Do you know what? I have. It's early on in the season, as as we all know. I think there are plenty of things that went against Green Bay, which contributed to not only Aaron Rodgers' performance, but losing the way they did to a better team on the night in the Atlanta Falcons. So, yeah, it's, you know, when you lose to the seahawks on a on a jump ball on an onside kick and uh lose all of the you know you lose badly and it and it that hurts but when you lose to a better team and because of the the manner that it is you tend to you're, you're more accepting of it that makes sense i guess it makes sense
1: it does. Look, we're going to get into your game uh, last night, the first game at that beautiful new Falcons Stadium as the Aladdin Falcons trounced the uh, Green Bay Packers. Um, but uh, we should start off the show. Well, of course, we should start off the show by just having a little chatter like we always normally do. Ollie, how are you?
3: Yeah, slept a bit. Uh, I've been working crazy hours on this coverage on Talk Sports. So starting at three and then going all the way through until about five, which it was. Yesterday, uh, Sunday. So five, three p.m. to five a.m. And then on this Sunday, I think we've got, we've yeah the uh, the the Ravens Jags is on from two on Talksport two. So I'll probably get to the stadium about twelve. Uh, to yeah, get... this week
1: is going to be absolutely... It's going to be
3: insane. I'm I'm trying to negotiate get getting Friday off so I can go to either the Jags or the Ravens. But it is amazing that. I don't remember being this busy. I know, of course, I wasn't this busy, but I don't remember all all around the London games as well that, that there being such a buzz about it. I think there is a, such a buzz. But, yeah, I'm fine. I mean, I played football yesterday. I'm a bit annoyed about about us losing and not getting on sooner. You know, but that—that's for another time. How are you? How are you? How were those nuggets?
1: Those nuggets were great, my friend. Uh, I'm just—I'm tired as well. Uh, That's—it's as simple as that. But my—you'll probably be able to hear it in my voice. But I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Can never complain about the job that we do. It's absolutely ludicrous. And we're powering but, uh,
3: through. We're powering through, guys. Because it, exactly, we just love it. it
1: I've got um, I've got an interview tonight in about two hours' time with Cardinals superstar cornerback and for me likely future Hall of Famer Patrick Peterson. Uh, going to be no talking way. to him. We've got uh, basically he's going to be he's going to feature on the cover of the magazine around the Cardinals Rams game alongside Tyrion Mathieu. So if we mustn't forget that you've done. French.
3: We mustn't forget that you've done this interview uh, when those guys come over, so then we can
1: roll it out, right? Uh, well, we'll probably roll it out late this week, to be honest. But, Perfect, um, great idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're, we're interviewing, we're talking to him about his relationship with Tyrion and the fact that they came through college together. Uh, he pushed for Matthew to be drafted at the Cardinals when he had all of his his problems uh, off the field and uh, has mentored him through his time there. So we're going to be doing a big piece about the relationship between those two and how they form such a brilliant backfield. We'll be getting to that. So I, this is the other thing. I'm going to stay up for that and probably stay, uh, then probably try and watch Monday Night Football. But the chances are I'm going to be dead to the world by about five minutes in. <laughs> however, however, what I will do is I will wake up on Tuesday morning. I will watch the game back. And right here, if Ollie time codes it, will be my thoughts on Monday Night Football. So Monday Night Football, and let's be honest, the Lions 24-10 to win over the Giants kind of belies just how much better they were than their opponents last night. And just whisper it. The Lions might be a better team than we thought they were. Um... Let's start off with the Lions offense. Matt Stafford, you're going to look at the stats this morning or the fantasy points, you're going to be like, oh, didn't look like a particularly good game. 122 passing yards, two touchdowns. But I'll tell you what, his pocket collapsed on a regular basis. of great pressure from particularly Jason Pierre-Paul and that Giants front. And what he regularly did after, f- after having that strip sack fumble early on, which, of course, Eli immediately turned over for an interception about three plays later and it was no problem at all in the end, um, was... After that, he regularly... Looked like he was going to take big sacks, showed situational awareness, threw the ball away, dumped the ball off, got little gains. So a near career low 122 passing yards looks bad with the two touchdowns. But overall, he really looked wiser in the pocket, looked like, you know, a really mature game from him, uh, as it were. On the defensive side of the ball from them, uh, Ansa looked really good, some really good secondary play overall. They they blew the coverage for the Evan Ingram touchdown, and what a good game for Big-bodied tight ends with double E names, Evan Engram and uh, uh, and Eric Ebron, both catching big touchdown passes. Um, so yeah, I mean they brought the heat and they couldn't get the uh, back end of it done, but beyond that, they were really, they were really, really good. Now Odell Beckham was obviously going to uh, draw the headlines uh, dealing with that high ankle sprain. He was brought back slowly into the game. He saw less than half the team snaps, I think four for 36 overall. Uh, Attracted some attention from Darius Slay, which helped the rest of the offense at times. But Brandon Marshall... Did not look good. Five times on his return to MetLife Stadium, reeled in with just one catch and dropped two balls for potentially huge gains. A bad, bad night for Brandon Marshall. Very funny on Twitter. The Brandon Marshall, who plays for Denver, still at Denver? Yeah, I think so, uh, was fielding uh, to angry tweets from uh, Giants fans whilst the game was going on, uh, offering out to see people in the car park and, and stuff like that. Uh, oh, big love, of course, for Jamal Agnew's 88-yard put. Uh, punt return um, for a touchdown that that kind of killed the game off entirely. Really great elusiveness, great strength to spin out of one tackle as well. Uh, a great return, uh, great speed, obviously, and everything else as well. Brilliant stuff. Um, oh, oh, staying with that Giants events side of the ball. Oh, my God. Uh, Eric Flowers is dreadful. Eli Manning, I mean, the, the inception he threw behind uh, Ingram remember could have done better, but still, it was thrown behind. Uh, I, you know, ben McAdoo, we all thought was going to be like up there with the Sean McVay's and the Carl Shanahan's as one of these exciting young offensive minds. It's not looking like that way at the moment. Where is Jim Bob Cooter? Um, yeah, giving Kenny. Th- Kenny Galladay, uh, a lot of good looks. Uh, Amir Abdullah had it uh, a good night. 86 yards on the ground overall. Look, I just I was impressed with the Lions last night, but I was impressed with the Cowboys week one. Maybe they just came up against a bad, bad, bad Giants team. All right, let's return to the show. That my thought those were my thoughts. That was it's something about my thoughts about Monday night football. I promise I'm not that tired. Uh Ollie, we're gonna be speaking to the guys, Matt and Simon, about a few of the big games from the weekend. But we should start with our Sunday night football game that we had On Talk Sport, the Green Bay Packers went into Atlanta. It finished Atlanta Falcons 34, Packers 23. Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman combined for just 52 rushing yards in week one. This week, it was 126 yards and two scores, loads more yardage in the air as well. Uh, With just the... The number of weapons available to Atlanta was brilliant. And from a Green Bay perspective, yes, they came in with horrible injuries, starting with your starting tackles, both injured, and to have lots more injuries throughout the game. Uh, Mike Daniels went down, Jordy Nelson went yeah. down. It was were, The Green Bay were in no way set up to succeed here. The concern for me is that the Packers' defense looked so good in week one against the Seahawks so did the 49ers defense this week, which is probably all we need to say about that game. Um, They didn't look so strong against a really, really good Atlanta team. There were problems in the secondary, Demarius Randall, in particular, uh, Quinton Rollins in particular, although I thought Kevin King did have a good game, the rookie. Um, I just think maybe we if there's one thing we overreacted to in week one, it was possibly the Green Bay defence.
3: I think so, but Daniels went out, I think, on the first Atlanta drive, and uh, from then... Green Bay couldn't really cope with it. They had Clay Matthews lining up on the the interior of that defensive line at times and actually one one of his sacks that worked out for Green Bay. But they were moving their pieces all over the shop. Morgan Burnett was part of that nitro package, but that wasn't quite working for them because we had a question in that I don't think we answered on air, but I I answered to you in the studio, why do the Green why do the Packers give up so many big yards and so many big plays? And I think they overcommit at times when they're not doing prevent defence. And there's not really much middle ground. And for a team like Atlanta, when you've got Freeman and Coleman and Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu, had a gr- who also had a great game. And when you've got Matt Ryan, who is looking... He is looking so good. He looks like almost as good as... He's looking as good as he, he did last year. And when you've got those... Quality pieces; they can really uh, take advantage of what's going on on defense. Uh, I, the defense it wasn't... also
1: it also really doesn't help when you don't get the decisions going your way. And I've watched it back again. I think in the moment I could understand the decision, but do you know what? That was never a pick play against. Um, Uh, The one that brought down the big, long Randall Cobb catch. He was right close up to the line. And what I didn't spot at the time, and I feel like this was bad for me as a broadcaster, the flag came in from the other side of the field a touch judge who's not going to have the right perspective on that on that play. And so I could see why Rodgers was annoyed. I could see why uh, McCarthy was annoyed. But I think the problem is is that he got so angry and so in the face of the officials that after that they were calling it every single time. Because I actually think the one towards the end was a little harsh on you as well on Geronimo Allison. Um, it, and just not, there's, there's no consistency. Is but, there problem.
3: is no consistency because they didn't call one on Austin Hooper. So that infuriated Mike McCarthy, and there was a, a little timeline of of things that went wrong. So the the Cobb thing, uh, the very next play, uh, the, sorry, the 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 Bennett uh, pick on the Cobb catch, the very next play Cobb gets done for movement on the line, uh, which brings them back another five yards, backs them up, and then the next play after that Aaron Rodgers throws the pick, uh, so uh, to to Desmond Trufant, and by the way, I'm. It's great to see Trufant back because I remember when we were at the Super Bowl and uh, on opening night. Opening night! Uh, you mm. weren't there, but opening night is no,
1: where... No, I went to pick up Paolo because I hate opening night.
3: But opening night uh, is where the world's media descend on uh, on the Super Bowl and you, you get to talk to players and the, the marquee players get their own stand and hundreds of journalists swamp around and ask either pertinent or stupid questions, mainly the latter but Desmond Trufant, who, if he was fit for that game, would have had his own stand. But he was just wondering about, almost looking lost and forlorn that he didn't have anyone to talk to. So, I, so I, I'm loving that he's back. And he is one of my favourite corners. He, he, With Vontae Davis, he, he vies at... He, he's vying for my favorite cornerback in the league. Two people that aren't my favorite cornerbacks in the league are Demarius Randall and Quinton Rollins. The one and two picks from a couple of years ago, Green Bay's quarterbacks, cornerbacks, and they were not good. They couldn't
1: no, They couldn't no. pick and up then, Jones and... and
3: Sanu. They couldn't stop them on the line, uh, getting any, any push off. I just thought they were absolutely abysmal.
1: Look, I am. I'm ready to move on from this game. What I will say is for the 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 fact that there were the injuries for Green Bay, there were the flags and everything else. Atlanta won this game and deservedly won this game. Yeah, They're two yeah. and zero. They look very exciting. Let's roll on. Let's speak with Matthew Sherry and get his thoughts on some of the powerhouses in the AFC from this week's Sunday games. <laughs> very good. <laughs> All right, joining us on the show now to look at a few of the Sunday Night Games, the editor of Gridiron Magazine, Matthew Sherry. Hello, Matthew. Hi, guys. Hello. 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 Oh, interesting. That was, uh, I can't tell whether that was feedback or if you did that on purpose.
3: It was an echo uh, of
1: my double hellos. And echo, 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 yeah. echo. Yeah. Brilliant. Great stuff. Uh, <laughs> Matt Sherry, we're going to go over a few of the games from the um, from the Sunday night slate. And let's start with the New England Patriots. Uh, 36 to 20 winners, I want to say, over the New Orleans Saints because I haven't finished saying my computer. It was the right New, New Orleans Saints, now. yeah. And uh, I know I meant the score. I knew who they were playing. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that, first, that first half from Tom Brady... From a throwing perspective, is one of the best first halves of quarterbacking I've seen, even from him, um, in the last ten years or so. It was unbelievable.
4: Yeah, just the classic Brady Patriots bounce back, wasn't it? The, um, I mean, I, I, there was a lot of people criticised how bad the Saints' defence is, and and of course they made them look bad, and and Sam Bradford made them look bad as well. But I'm still, I still think they're a lot more talented than, than previous versions of that. I just think the Patriots completely knocked the life out of them with the with the opening three drives and they got the running backs involved, which is something that I think they the look back and regret not doing against Kansas City. And and yeah, it was just, it, it felt different later in the game when a couple more injuries happened. But at the start of the game, you were just looking at that field and remembering how we all were getting carried away and why we were getting carried away with the, the offensive skill players that they have. Because they've got so many options and they can be so diverse. And, and I think the Saints caught the brunt of that.
1: I think in terms of matchup as well I, we we probably tried to make this sound like it was going to be tighter than it was because the the thing where the area where the Saints struggle is I said it I think they're up front they're quite they're, they've got a half decent line against the run and they've got some interesting young cornerbacks but their linebackers in coverage are dreadful and the best team in the entire league of Stacking receivers, of bringing people out of the backfield, of finding mismatches, particularly when Gronkowski's on the field, is the New England Patriots. And that's what they just did time and time again. And you saw it on the Burke head touchdown. You saw Saw it on just so many of the Gronkowski catches just absolutely unbelievable there, there was a noticeable slowing when you did lose um Gronkowski Philip Dorsett uh later in the game and and it did get to a, a point of being absolutely ridiculous but I wasn't the second half I was kind of paying attention to other games because basically the Patriots were blowing them out was it a case of but the Patriots slowing down the game and running the ball and just letting it happen because they had a lead or was there noticeably a drop-off in the offence?
4: It's just a combination of, of both. I mean, there was a slight drop-off because, of, I mean, Hogan was hobbling as well. So, it, at one point, they literally had Brandon Cooks as the only healthy receiver. They only dressed three receivers before the game. So, I think there's going to be an element of that but I do think there was a huge element of, right, We've got the we've got the win wrapped up if we can get one first down a drive and take six players plus every drive, then we're fine. And that's that's ultimately what they did. And and the reason they were able to do that is the huge positive in the game was, was how well the defence played against Drew Brees in that dome. There's not many teams will hold them to 20 points this year. And they gave up a couple of big players, a couple of amazing throws. But in the main, the defence was really good. They brought a Landon Roberts in it. A middle linebacker and that shored them up against the run and and generally more like the defence that, that I think I expected from them this yeah, season. So, a special
1: message uh mention for Dietrich Wise as well.
4: Yeah, he's oh. he was awesome and, and they're really excited about him. He was really good in pre season and then sustained an injury I think in, in the first or second pre season game. And he was really good. If they've got another edge uh, rusher sorry, with with Trey Flowers then then that, the whole complex of that defence changes, I think.
1: I still think the Saints, from their perspective, they'll have easier games than the Vikings without Case Keenum and the New England Patriots. But there's still a real lack of balance in that team. The running game, I still can't quite figure it out. And, yeah, I think...
4: And it's, it, it's coaching as well. I mean, if you think... Maybe they got fooled by watching Eric Berry last week. But if you think Kenny Vaccaro could match up one-on-one with Rob Gronkowski... And that's your plan going into a game, then you've got problems, haven't you? I mean it, it, apparently it,
1: Kenny Vaccaro is on the trading block and they're fielding
4: calls. But we'll we'll match him up against probably the best tight end of all time. It's ridiculous. The only thing I can think is that the thought that Gronk maybe is slowed a bit, but he isn't and then I think it was Alex Oka for the linebacker who went on him after that. It's just a joke. I mean it's it's Charles play for Gronkowski against that kind of that kind of coaching, so that the, there is an element of coaching as well. You you'd like to see the Saints doing a better job of the players that they have actually got.
3: Do we read now, anything into Gronk's injury and leaving the game with with that groin injury?
4: Yeah, of course you do. You read into it that the the guy's body is is a huge issue, and and it's a, it's a crying shame. But all the reports are that it's nothing serious. I think at this point with Gronk, he he feels a niggle and he immediately thinks that's me season done, and you can understand why, but you would hope that if they can get three, four, five games in a row he starts to trust the body more but I think everybody fears that he is a player away from breaking down and that's that's a viable concern so I think uh, for, for New England fans and in, in reality it should be NFL fans as well because it's a better product every week when Rob Gronkowski's yeah. on the field but it's just bearded breath every time a player goes near him, basically. And
3: he's now Rob Groinkowski, Thank you. I've s- that's twice uh, I've done you it. You
4: can't reuse the same I'm, joke I'm ca- I can reuse Eric
3: it. i Sherry sure not he hadn't it heard it before. Different
4: audience, Ollie, and I loved it.
3: There you go. And, uh, I knew he'd love
1: it. You're out God, of order. Is, did, why didn't you put it on Twitter? That's why I don't understand. Uh, why haven't
3: I put it on Twitter?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I might it's put it on Twitter too, now. It's, you're nearly 24 hours too late. I'm
3: putting it on Twitter now.
4: <laughs> yeah. i um, when I say it. Yeah, that, like, Rob, Rob Gronkowski,
3: thanks, thanks.
1: Matt Sherry, Rob Gronkowski very much could be the best tight end of all time, but I don't think he's the best tight end in the NFL through two weeks. I think that that goes to Travis Kelsey, who was unbelievable for the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday. And not just in his eight catches, his 103 yards, his touchdown, and the touchdown dive in itself was spectacular. But in terms of what he does for that Chiefs offense – the, ma- the matchups he takes up that allows Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt to become open, the way that he blocks downfield, and there were several times where he got off the first block, made a second block to the, at the next level. He has just been absolutely superb. He fits the system so well. and And, you know... With the problems with Rob Gronkowski's body, I think if I was drafting a team today and I had my pick of tight ends, I'd go with Travis Kelsey for the next five years or so because I think he'll be considered the best tight end in football the moment Rob Rob Gronkowski
4: retires. Yeah, along with another guy who I thought had a good game yesterday, Delaney Walker, who I think is the most underrated tight end in the league. But he's great, isn't he, Kelsey? And he's getting better every single year. The only problem with him is the the petulance that we saw again to, to... kind of personal fouls taunt and type penalties yesterday from him so he does have that element of being a bit of a buffoon in his locker but ultimately as a as a player on the field he's amazing and the Chiefs generally I think they, they, they've they opened that offense up a little bit and, it, and it's it's really interesting to watch them for all Philadelphia played that game close yesterday when it was money time again in the fourth quarter the, the Chiefs came up really big again and and I think the signs are positive. I, I mean, I came away from yesterday just thinking how how beyond loaded, more so than we even thought it was, is the AFC West. I mean, the Chiefs look great. The Raiders look great. The Broncos look great. The Chargers continue to be the Chargers but still look good. Oh, you, well, you we, we, like...
1: We're going to talk about the Chargers and the Raiders with, with um, Simon Clancy and we're going to talk Broncos with you in a moment. But just... Just while we're talking about this Chiefs team, because, yes, they did get there. They were clutch in the right moments. But what was particularly amazing yesterday was that Justin Houston was, again, brilliant. But Chris Jones, second-year lineman, had three sacks, I think. Two of those had forced fumbles, an interception, just an unbelievable game. And if they found another high-end pass rusher, a guy that can play from a 3-4 D end and get to the quarterback, suddenly the loss of Eric Berry does not look anywhere near as serious.
4: Yeah, it's true. That my only, the only slight thing I would say is that was slightly concerning for the Chiefs is there's absolutely no way that it should have been that close going into the fourth quarter against the Philadelphia team who have literally no running game, and there's not a team in the league that can pass the ball fifty times in Kansas City and expect to win. I mean, and if that was Philadelphia's offensive game plan, then Doug Peterson who I feel like I'm criticising every week now, needs to just get back to the drawing board because it was completely ridiculous. And, and you just felt like Philadelphia were the exact perfect team for Kansas City to play, and maybe Kansas City played down to that level a bit for a lot of the game. But ultimately, they're probably as impressive a 2-0 team as, as there is in the league right now.
1: Um, so I, I'm I, I still think the Eagles there was a lot to be pleased with. Yes, there still yeah. think Carson Wentz. I mean, through a lot, which was an issue. There is no run game at the moment, but they were coming from behind a huge amount. Zach Hurts had a good game. Alshon Jeffrey had a great game. Um the, the improved the talent was really receiver. Good. So there's still a lot to be positive about with the Eagles. I still think they'll be competitive in the NFC East, but those Chiefs I'm I'm doing tonight my um My power rankings, the TalkSport website, we're going to start putting some NFL content up. And uh, the Chiefs are in some serious consideration right at that top end, along with the Denver Broncos and... I'd just like to remind everybody of how I was scoffed at. And not just because it wasn't like the usual occasion where when uh, one of us says something the rest agree with, we're like, oh, I'm not sure about that. And then they prove a point. And then they try and prove their point. Simon Clancy was literally going, what's going on here? This is ridiculous. Everything has gone wrong. Like, literally shouting me down. He said I was so ridiculous. I said I thought they were going to be dominant. They went 42-17 and... The big thing is, we didn't think that Broncos We were, the worry is that Broncos' run defense. They completely shut Ezekiel Elliott down. Four stack press got to throw, and you don't want to be throwing against the no fly zone. I thought they were brilliant against the Cowboys.
4: Yeah, and what, what, what? Why? I back, and obviously this is great in hindsight. Why they're actually a good matchup, Dallas? Dallas for the, the Broncos. The Broncos are the best team. at third down defence to me in the NFL alongside maybe the Houston Texans who are always strong in that area and the Cowboys' offensive strategy is basically to get in third and threes, third and fours and that's great against most teams but third and threes against most teams is third and six against the Broncos and then you just don't convert enough of them and and then ultimately I think my big takeaway from this game was that the Giants are absolutely awful and (laughs) That Dallas Cowboys defence is basically what we thought it was going to be going into the season. And and that is to be expected when they're so deficient talent wise. And I think there were two defenses yesterday that looked good in week one that we've learned ultimately just look good because of the offences they were playing, and that's obviously Green Bay yeah. and, and Dallas. And I, I think it's exciting with Simeon and and I think I said last week that if you're just judging it. On his play, if he was a first-round pick, everybody would be crazy excited about this guy. He's a really solid player. Mike McCoy's done wonders for that offense. And we all know that that defense is so good, and we've seen that they've basically stuck to the same principles that they had under Wade Phillips, that they don't need a huge amount of offense. So the fact that they're able to move the ball again means that the Broncos, to me, are immediate contenders again, but with the huge caveat that they're in the most ridiculously loaded division in the NFL.
1: Now, there were two things about that Broncos performance, the CJ Anderson run uh, uh, ability at running back that I did want to highlight. But then on the other side, from a Cowboys perspective, I mean, as the person who has been spending the last two years going, let's see what Dak Prescott can do when he has to carry the load, I'm now turning around and saying to the people that massively overreacted on Twitter, calm down. He was against the Broncos on the road. But interesting comments from Ladanian Tomlinson about Ezekiel Elliott saying he absolutely quit on his team. I didn't like that. There are going to be times where you're going to have struggle to run, and I didn't like the way he quit today. His attitude was disgusting. There was a really great tweet from one of the Philly beat writers where he, he just put something out saying, like, Zeke Elliott I, uh, is currently asking Commissioner Goodell if this game can count against his suspension <laughs> because he was that bad. Um, <clears throat> there, There is potentially an issue here where... Has that mentally, all that other stuff gone to their head? Because for the Cowboys, they lost, what, three games last season and outside of the loss in the playoffs, they didn't lose a single game by less than three points. When you get hammered in this fashion, that's when you start to to think, "Mm,
4: maybe there's just a couple of problems. Yeah, I mean, Dak Prescott is not the problem. I mean, Tom Brady plays like garbage in Denver all the time. It doesn't mean he's not a great quarterback. I've seen Aaron Rodgers throw for 80 yards in denver a couple of years ago i think uh, if i remember rightly there was a game where he threw for almost no yards i mean that happens to most quarterbacks in denver particularly if the offense becomes one dimensional which is what happened because of ezekiel elliott and the, and the fact that the running game wasn't firing but the issue in in dallas to me is just symptomatic of the whole culture in the team it's everybody before the season said you could pr- project Dallas m- maybe taking a step backwards and the reason for that is that when things go wrong you don't really back the players to drag themselves out of it because of the culture that's there Jason Garrett really isn't the kind of guy who you think is going to have sustained spells of greatness of a team year after year and I think that's a culture problem in Dallas and I mean it wasn't just Zeke, Des Bryant who's been there long enough now many years and actually played really badly in the game. There's videos of of him on Twitter just not running routes properly and kind of jogging around the field. So I think it's an overall culture issue in Dallas as much as just one guy. But Zeke obviously fits into that that mold.
1: Uh, Let's just very quickly, Matthew Sherry, before we let you go, you just wanted to make a quick mention of a big London game this week. Jacksonville Jaguars against the Baltimore Ravens. We'll be there. It'll be live on TalkSport 2. And then Sherry's going to be joining me in the studio for the after show and the look around the uh, the late games as well. And, uh, yeah... I think from a Jacksonville perspective, we don't have to talk about this game too much, but I think what was shown was it was highlighted just how much they're going to struggle if they don't get out to a lead early so they can run the ball because you can't hide Blake Bortle's deficiencies. Haven't they just signed? Amazingly, it's just appeared on <laughs> my
4: timeline. Oh, Mercedes. <Cal-nessy. laughs> they've just Ryan, Ryan
1: Nassi. Uh, <laughs> probably not the answer, but. But the fact is is that when you're left in that situation, the defence is on the field all the time. They get gassed and they look like that. That second half, they kept it tight in the first half. But for the Titans to come out and score on five consecutive drives in the second half, that's not a good look for the Jags.
4: It's also not a good look when the team is thrown Saxonville around there willy-nilly, as I mentioned last week, just because you've gone 1-0. and I mean learn a lesson Jacksonville like if ever a team is not in a position to be bragging after winning a game it's the Jaguars like get to 6-0 and first and and unfortunately they're not going to do that with Blake Balls a quarterback and I hugely fear for them this week against a Baltimore Ravens defense that is not going to allow them to run the ball at all if there's any team they, they're not going to rush on it's the Ravens and I mean I don't think the Ravens offense will do much against the Jag's defense but as long as they don't turn the ball over you'll know that you know that the Ravens defense will probably get a t- couple of touchdowns so I think it could be a nasty game in London this week Right
1: Matthew Sherry thank you
4: to you appreciate your time um, we will speak to you later in the
1: week uh, for the preview show and this Sunday when you join us on talk sport before we get to Simon Clancy let's just hear from Miles Jack the top linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars he did get the one sack of Saxonville this past weekend but he did it also admit to me that the defense took a big step back compared to week one. Joined on the show now by Miles Jacken. And Miles, I want to start off. Obviously, last week that big emotional, adrenaline-fueled win over a divisional rival. To then come off that and this week have such a disappointing result, it's got to be heads must be dropping a little bit.
0: Most definitely, you know what I mean. It's, it's 16 games in the season, so we go one and one. But um, we're, we're just definitely going to learn from this, and we're going to come out to London now. Uh, very very fired up and very very excited so I'm, I'm I'm, very excited to get out there this week
1: I mean you get the, the sack nice and early in the game it felt like you were setting the tone and and you know it looked like we might see another monstrous defensive performance what do you feel happened in the second half
0: you know they, they really took control of it took control of the game they started running the ball and it just you know what I mean? The, the game kind of closed up, and they really just—they couldn't stop the run. So if you can't stop the run in this league, it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's pretty bad. So we—we we, got to come back together as a defense and and, and figure it out. And next week in Baltimore, when we come out there to London and Baltimore, we definitely have to stop the run. That's the main thing.
1: I mean, something that last week was really apparent from the way the Jags played is that you guys did exactly the same thing. You established the run, your offense stayed on the field, so your defense could stay nice and rested. With the turnovers today, you guys are barely off the field for more than a couple of minutes at, at a time, and and that's got to take its toll on a defense.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, it does. But we 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 as a defense have to have to step up to the challenge when when things don't go our way, and we have to kind of stop it and put out that fire that started. So. We, we just have to bow up, you know, and, and things are going to happen. There's going to be sudden changes, whether there's interceptions or a change of position. But we just have to, we just have to come out as a defense and, and, and bow up and, and stop them and, and get the ball back to our offense. That's the main thing.
1: The Titans last week struggled against the pass rush, but, but this week with those two bookend tackles who have looked so impressive over the last year or so, that they, they, they made it very, very difficult for you to get pressure on Mariota in that second half.
0: Definitely, uh, Taylor. One, he was he was voted a top 100 player in the NFL um, based off his performance last season. So he's very talented. And Jack Conklin, um, he's talented as well. So I mean, you definitely have to give them credit. They came out and they did what they needed to do, and we didn't. So we just got to be better, and we have to step up, step up to the challenge next time.
1: I mean, that question over the defense having to remain on the field and, and getting gassed and getting tired, there were a couple of plays today, I thought, on the uh, Delaney-Walker once or twice when you were asked to be in coverage, uh, including on the touchdown, uh, made, made it very difficult for you. But is that because is that the nature of you've had so many plays that even keeping up with someone like Walker gets tough? There's,
0: there's, there's things that, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a game of attrition, so, I mean, if you get tired, It definitely makes it tough, and when the defense is on the field for a long time, it definitely makes it tough. But, again, there's no excuses in this league. You know, we have a job to do, and when you're on defense, your job is to stop the offense. So, I mean, there's going to be adversity. There's going to be times when it's not where odds are stacked up against you, but that's what we get paid to do to stop the offense, and we have to do a better job
1: and for yourself I mean there's another player on the other side of the ball Derek Henry who not unlike yourself came into the league and it took a while for him to be able to make an impact because of injuries and everything else but he had a big game today and there was a stiff arm on his touchdown that looked like it might have hurt a bit
0: (laughs) yeah he's a very talented player Um, we we obviously we didn't do a good job containing him or DeMarco Murray but definitely him. he had had a very talented uh, very talented showing he had a great game and Obviously, that's at the expense of us, so we weren't too happy about that. But, yeah, he's a very talented player.
1: I'm going to ask you about London this week, but before I do so, there was one play in particular in the second half with that Delaney Walker uh, catch on the sideline where, um, where, where uh, I think it was for the end around the run where Jalen Ramsey got a bit chippy, knocked him out of bounds, got mm. the penalty and, and we've seen that a little bit from Ramsey that he can you know, let his temper get the better of him, let him kind of get a bit chippy at times. When you're on the same side of the ball as a player like that, do you like that fire or, or are you there in his ear saying that he needs to calm down?
0: I I love it. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of, we don't like to lose. That, that's one of the good things about the people on this team. We we do not like to lose, so when we're losing, uh we're not gonna go out without a fight. So I mean a guy like Jalen when he does stuff like that, I, I I embrace it, you know what I mean? I I'd rather have a guy that's gonna go out fighting and, and lay down and just kinda take it. So I mean I, I, I definitely I definitely admire that in him and you know what I mean, that that's gonna happen, pennies are gonna happen, but he's playing until the end of the whistle and I can't fault him for that.
1: And the final one then, Miles coming to London this week, the, going up against the Ravens they went 2-0 today and you'll see it on the film yourself, the the one thing they did, we talked about it already established the run, ran the ball really well took the pressure off Joe Flacco their run past balance this season already has been so much better than last and after back-to-back wins at Wembley, this is going to be a tough week coming up for you
0: Most definitely, we we've had success in Wembley so we're definitely excited to get out there but like you said, they, they've they been good establishing the run, and that's, that's going to be a key influence of this week Just stopping the run and putting the ball in Joe Flacco's hands and letting our pass rushes get to the quarterback and letting our DBs cover their receivers. So first and foremost, you've got to stop the run in this league, and we
1: know they're going to bring that. So
0: we're very excited. This should be a very, very exciting game at Wembley, and uh, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Look, Miles, we're really looking forward to seeing you this coming Friday when you get over, and and certainly uh, you know a tougher day today, but excited as you in your first two games as a as an every down starter, and and there's a lot of talent on that defense, so we're hoping you can get out here, get a W, and uh, show us just how exciting that young defense is.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. We're we're very excited to get out there and show what we can do. Thank you for having me again.
1: No worries. Really appreciate your time, Miles. Uh, and yeah. We, we, we're, we're disappointed, but we reckon two and one end of next week, you'll be fine. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> That's Miles Jack, linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars, coming up this weekend. that We're taking on the Baltimore Raven. I went with Jaguars, Do and you I'm pleased it. with it, Ollie.
3: Like, no, fair enough. I, I like I picking you to, up on these things.
1: I decided to go in that direction. Uh, we'll be looking at the Ravens game coming up shortly, and it's kind of been so far. With Sherry, we talked about the Broncos, we talked about the Chiefs, we talked about the Patriots. This this show is kind of us accepting that the AFC right now is the yep. power conference in football because uh the Dolphins are great as well, Simon Clancy.
2: Of course they are. They're unbeaten.
1: That was definitely the direction that I thought I was gonna go with that before I started that sentence. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh Simon Clancy does join us. We're gonna look over a few more of the games from Sunday night and uh, Simon, first of all, did you enjoy actually finally getting a first week of the season after? I know that when you don't get a Dolphins game, it's just nothing but despair.
2: I get very, very unhappy. Uh, last week was really difficult because you build up that entire summer thinking it's coming it's in six weeks, five weeks, four weeks, three weeks, wind, two weeks, wind, one week's not going to happen. Oh, so it's pretty bad, but it was nice to finally get out. And then it was the late you know, later kickoff as well, and in that tiny sort of stadium that's about as big as I don't know, a League One club, and uh, it was fine. It was good in the end.
1: It's 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 got that feel of the Medeski, the Brighton & Hove Albion Stadium. It's like one of those football stadiums, in a bowl, generic, uh, Championship League One-type stadium. Um, totally. But but uh, And it was mostly Dolphins fans, by the looks of it. Yeah, and
2: it, was like a, it seemed like a 60-40 kind of split, Dolphins-wise. which was kind of amazing, really.
1: Slightly concerning, and and probably more concerning for the San Diego Chargers, for like the, the LA 80- Chargers, for the yeah, Whoa. damn it! Whoa, oh, we're just talking sh- about the stadium as well.
3: Yeah, that's no, out, that's out
1: of order. That that sta- If you
3: take that out, you're out of order.
1: The LA Chargers. <laughs> 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 Good, edit. Good edit, Will. More concerning for the LA Chargers is. Edit, um, great edit, Will. Yeah, yet yet again. They have somehow managed to find a way to throw away a game where they've got a lead, to find a way to lose a game, a tight game in the fourth quarter. Because there was a good period of time in this game where they were seventeen ten up, and they just weren't doing the right things to to kind of get to run the clock down and the Dolphins and Jay Cutler. You got things going and you struck late and you won it.
2: Yeah, it was a, it was an, it was an odd game because the Dolphins started really well on the first drive. Jay Jay had sort of thirty six yards rushing on the first drive. He looked really good. Uh, and the Chargers came back into it, Dolphins' past defence especially, especially the, the issues around Lawrence Timmons not being there, which left the Dolphins with only four linebackers. Byron Maxwell had a very poor game, Rashad Jones looked uh, a little bit rusty having not played for, you know, almost a season now after his shoulder injury. So um, the, the, the Chargers were making hay in the secondary throughout the game, but um, Cutler kept it tight and uh, down the stretch, but... but it kind of came down to special teams, really. The Dolphins' special teams were outstanding. Cody Parkey, who they picked up from the Browns. In fact, Parkey, essentially, that was the second game he'd won for the Dolphins because I don't know if you remember last season, he was kicker for Cleveland and <laughs> Dolphins uh, beat Cleveland in overtime uh, after Parkey missed two field goals, one at the end of regulation and one in overtime that would have won it. He was signed on uh, cut-down day. We got rid of Andrew Franks and Parkey was a the guy they really liked. and He came in kicked four field goals, including a 54-yarder with about a minute to go and then they the Chargers drove down the other end as if we, they were just kind of pouring water through toilet paper and um, but it came down that to the new kicker and water through toilet paper the San Diego <laughs> Chargers um, and yeah and it came down to the rookie uh, the, the the first year kicker and um, unfortunately for him and great for me that he put it wide right from 44 yards it was um, I mean you've got to feel I mean if you're a Chargers fan you've got to be kind of borderline suicidal I mean I think, that's, yeah. I think I think saw a statistic that said 10 they've lost their last of their last 10 defeats I think all of them have come something like in the final 60 seconds and been less than 7 points and you, you look Lovely. back last week with a, the with a block field goal some of the catastrophes they had at the back end of last season because actually it's a good side you know you look at the, the pass rushers and the interior players and you know they've got some really good players in the secondary and uh, you know Philip Rivers is still a really really good quarterback Melvin Gordon who didn't play very well yesterday um but he's a, he's a good running back and a kind of a, an arrow-up guy. But it just sort of, Dolphins kind of lucked out, really. Just a, a special teams did it. They had a, a really good punt return at the end of the game. Damien Williams had a great block, sort of peeled back and took out four guys to allow Jakeem Grant to, to, to get the ball out close to the 50 on that final drive. And um, that was really where it was won and lost. Clancy,
3: are you worried about the lack of pass rush? Because it was just one... Caught one sack and three quarterback hits. Sue and uh, Wake couldn't get to the quarterback really at all. So is that worrying for you going forwards, or is that something they're going to
2: sort out? I think it's I think it's worrying. I mean, Sue played it out. I mean, Sue was extraordinary. He, he was double and sometimes triple team because they, Melvin Gordon chipped him. I mean, on every single play, and he was absolutely superb. Jordan Phillips played pretty well Uh, Davon Godshow, the the kid from LSU that got in the fifth round played the majority of snaps alongside Sue and was a real menace Um, but on the end it was William Hayes is a run defender played well against the run Andre Branch is fine he's kind of a plodding player I suppose the two players that you're really looking out for are the first round of Charles Harris I think played about 30 snaps got a couple of quarterback hits a couple of pressures but has struggled in the summer Um, a little bit and certainly with strength issues and playing the run I think it's just going a bit faster one concern in inverted commas would be Cameron Wake who does take a little bit of time and has taken a little bit of time over the past couple of seasons to get going early in the season he he works so hard away from the game that you think it's going to come but ultimately we're talking about a 34, 35 year old and at some point that level's got to drop off, so that would be a concern. I suppose the bigger concern would be the the linebacking crew because essentially that was a big problem for the Dolphins last season, and they went to upgrade it with Raquan McMillan, who looked absolutely outstanding in training camp, and then tore his ACL in the very first um, preseason game, which was a huge blow for the Dolphins. And obviously Lawrence Timmons came in and has also done really well. Um, can you can Timmons, you
1: do you have any insider knowledge on the Lawrence Timmons situation? Where is he? Yeah, he
2: is. He, he was the Dolphins found him uh, essentially. They did a bed check. Um, and they went round and Timmons didn't answer his door and they got the hotel to open the door and there was nobody in his room. They called him and couldn't get hold of him. They called his family and they didn't know where he was. They found him eventually at the airport in the departure lounge. He was waiting to fly back to Pennsylvania to to see the mother of his child. Um, I don't want to speculate, and it would be wrong to speculate, but I I do know a couple of things that I probably can't say on air. Um, I would say there were some concerns about his mental health probably would be the best way of putting it. Ooh, um, okay.
1: I mean, even, the- just to say, it's things we, we can't speculate about on radio, this is a podcast, but there ha- there are reports out there Adam Schefter has said that a league source has said they don't think Timmons is showing any signs of early onset CTE. CTE. Yeah, no. um, but but the, they're, like you say, mental health concerns have certainly been flagged.
2: I would say the words... <sighs> I mean, I don't know this for facts, so it's a fact,
1: but yeah. uh, the
2: areas around depression and bipolar and some of those things would have been things I've been hearing certainly from people that work in and around the Dolphins today, uh, media and people on the team. So that would be the the areas that I would potentially look at. I mean, um, Adam Gaze has just given a press conference in the last, it's Monday night, it's about 20 past eight, but Adam Gaze has given a press conference and said he hasn't spoken to Tim as yet. Um, so obviously a few things need to be sorted out. The Dolphins kind of need to, a, a proper explanation from him and hopefully if it is something that he's getting the right care because ultimately yeah. you know the, you know, these are players that we boo and we cheer but you know they're also human beings so let's hope that it, you know if it is something serious that he's getting the right care and if it's not then hopefully the Dolphins and he can work something out because there's been no history of this in you know, a decade of him playing at a really high level for the Steelers. And he's really important to Miami. You know, he's going to play 600 snaps this season.
1: Mm. Yeah. I was a really, really big fan of the signing. And yeah, i like you to say, hopefully, we all hope that everything gets uh, cleared up and he gets the help that he potentially might need. Um, look, just to bring up two final things on this game. The first one, you talked about the 44-yard missed field goal. I hated the fact that the fact that they were moving on you with such ease and yet they didn't with the downs in it hand stops, yeah. at least try and move the ball another five ten yards forward who had already missed a kick from 43 yards in the same game it was just absolutely ridiculous to me and philip rivers is a guy who has such a great control over that offense that you're telling me that if they finish an offensive play and there are 12 seconds left he's not going to spike that with plenty of time left to get a yeah. field goal off
2: it was that really
1: that frustrated me um from a Miami perspective, like, loved watching Cutler spread it around. I think it was, uh, he showed everything, all the positive he showed when he was at uh, the Bears with Gase and and showed real control. He's a very, in without Gase, he's always been a very up and down, very highs and lows quarterback. It was very steady. Slight concern that the there was a big drop-off in the red zone and there was a lot of settling for field goals. I just have to believe that that's going to come with time. I think so, and
2: and they were incredibly conservative in the first half, incredibly conservative, Um, and at halftime, a lot of people, fans, and uh, media alike, were sort of talking about, you know, this doesn't seem like it's a, this isn't a gate offense, this is a, you know, a lot of very, very short balls to Jarvis Landry and and to Jay Ajay out the backfield, and, you know, not once pushing it down the field to, to towards Devontae Parker and then one sort of early deep ball to Kenny Stills that fell incomplete but it was a very odd first half and then they came out in the second half and clearly opened it up a bit and Devontae Parker made a couple of big catches and a cutler made two or three really big throws um, but it seemed I mean we've always had issues in the red zone Julius Thomas uh, uh, you know I think it's I think it's a given now that we're not going to see the same Julius Thomas that we saw at the Denver Broncos um, we may even not see the same Julius Thomas that was so disappointing for the Jacksonville or Jaguars so um it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the red zone. Jar- Jarvis Landry isn't a red zone threat. Kenny Steele's obviously is a deep threat. So ultimately, what you're doing is you're relying on that sort of, sort of jump ball ability of Devonte Parkers, which is, you know, outstanding. But there's only, you know, if you roll a safety over the top, then you're going to you're going to end up getting the ball picked off. And especially if you're throwing to a boundary corner from the from the far side of the field, if that does get picked off, there's a chance that could go all the way back. So it will be interesting to see what they do. I mean, Gaze is very creative as a play caller, so hopefully they'll get that stuff worked out. But you know, it was certainly a very very um, good, you know, a very kind of encouraging start, I think is the right word for, for Cutler for week one. Uh,
1: let's just move on. I want to ta- talk to you about a few of the other games that I said, AFC contenders uh, have very, very much been the the course of the podcast so far bar the Falcons and Monday Night Football, which at this point, I don't know what happened there. We'll have talked about it. Don't know what happened right now. Um, but I, I want to know about Steelers-Vikings, I'm very, very excited about what I've seen from the Steelers' defense, and TJ Watt going out potentially could be an issue, but in terms of their front three is incredibly exciting, and the fact that, yeah, the Vikings, it was always going to be a difficult game because they lost Sam Bradford at such last minute, and we don't know how long he's going to be out for, and that's, you know, my excitement about the Vikings after week one has to be tempered because of that, but it's the fact that, Xavier Rhodes did a brilliant job going with Antonio Brown, moving with him, uh, absolutely kind of shut him out of the game for big periods. And so they went to Martavis Bryant. LeVion Bell finally did get going, whereas he struggled in week one. And it just started to show that if they all keep every part healthy, just how you know, there are going to be very few teams that are going to have enough options to stop everything.
2: Yeah, it was interesting as well to see Juju smith used to catch a touchdown pass and, and sort of he laid a couple of Outstanding blocks, and there were sort of Heinz Ward comparisons, which is not a bad comparison about him. He's a really good-looking kid. I suppose the big concerns for me would be getting Watt back healthy. He played so well last week, and that secondary. I suppose you know, how good is that secondary? How good is that quarterback group? How good are the safeties? But that, that would be the one concern for me. You know, when a, when the pressure's on in a tight game with that sealer team, how are they going to stand up to a you know to a New England offense? To a you know the, maybe the diversal offense that the Kansas City Chiefs can throw with a Kelsey and with a um, the kid who returns all the kicks. His name has completely escaped me. But you know, those would be Tyreek the things Hill. that would concern Tyreek Hill. They, those would be the things that would would concern me a bit about the Steelers. But you know, in terms of that. Front line, defensive line. I've talked about him last week. Javon Hargrave, the, the nose tackle, defensive tackles. Just a, a phenomenally talented player. who's just getting better week after week. And you know, if they can keep, you know, for years we talked about the Steelers' offensive line, and it was kind of letting them down. And Ben got hit a lot, and hit a lot, and hit a lot. And I, I do think there's been a cumulative effect in terms of those earlier career hits. But actually, the offensive line is holding up pretty well. And did pretty well yesterday against, you know, really good pass rushers, Daniel Hunter and uh, and um, and Griffin. So. You know, I think Pittsburgh—they're always going to be a team that's going deep into the playoffs, but they—they certainly started the season well.
3: On offense, though, I'm a bit worried about uh, Le'Veon Bell. He didn't have the greatest of games, just averaging 3.2 on the ground. And then Martavis Bryant uh, showing what he was in 2015. I thought he had a really, really nice game. And with him and Antonio Brown there as well, they've got two really, really good receivers.
1: To combine your kind of to to combine your two points there, what I thought was interesting about Le'Veon Bell was that I did think that firstly they did unleash him in terms of they gave him a lot more touches than the week before. Yeah, but what but what's quite interesting is I think the Steelers line last year had such amazing chemistry with Le'Veon Bell that when he showed that, that patience that we praise so highly, that's really difficult for a line to be able to react to that and continue to develop their blocks. And they were so good at it last year. They look like they might be slightly off on the chemistry. And maybe that's a, a, a direct um, kind of reaction to the fact that he did miss the entirety of camp, basically, and that's something that's going to develop over So I'm not really concerned about it yet. I think that's something that will come. And like you say, when you've, when, everyone, when other people are out of the game and you've then got Martavis mm. Bryant to go to, you, you should be fine, basically.
3: Right, let's uh, move on to the Baltimore Ravens. They beat the Cleveland Browns, and uh, it was just all about the Baltimore defence, wasn't it, Simon?
2: It was a little bit. I mean, the, the thing that stood out for me was five turnovers forced in that game. That's the second week running, first time in franchise history. They forced five turnovers in back-to-back weeks. Joe Flacco looked better. I think it, people were a bit concerned about how, whether or not he was over that back injury in week one. But he looked better, played a bit better within himself. But yeah, that 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 defense is the key because they are really, you know, they're getting some great um, some great play from Brandon Carr. They're getting great play at all three levels essentially. I suppose the biggest concern is, and I think the thing that will hamper them seriously is injuries. I mean, they lost. To, two more players to, to injured reserve. I think that's 15 players now that have got an injured reserve. Uh, wow. And Bam, Bam Bradley, the special teams player, is a good special teams player. But, the, the, you know, essentially their best player, Marshall Yander, is out for the season on on IR on yeah. with a broken leg. And that's absolutely massive. I mean, this is a Hall of Fame interior offensive lineman, you know, who is unmatched in the NFL. I mean, he's the best guard in football. So, um, and has been for probably eight years. So that is a, a huge loss for already for a franchise already kind of um, heavily under the pressure of, of of injured players. And then, of course, the big nose tackle, um, who they re-signed in the summer, uh, Brandon Williams. Williams. Yeah, I mean, he went down as well and, you know, had to leave the game. And you just think there's only so many um, replacement players you can bring in before that, that, that standard starts to slip away. And what was interesting about that game is that actually Cleveland weren't, uh, they lost, but they weren't ever out of it even with the mistakes that Deshaun Kaiser, you know, Deshaun Kaiser had a, had a rookie game through three interceptions, but they still had the ball left and were driving towards Baltimore territory with sort of six, you know, two possessions left essentially. If they, and they were, you know, Kaiser was intercepted in the end zone. You know, let's just say let's flip that on its head and say that that had been caught for a touchdown. All of a sudden, that's a seven-point game with still with six minutes to go, and you know the Browns weren't out of it. So for all their issues and the fact they're zero two yet again. I think there's reason to be cheerful for Cleveland fans but yeah as you say I think the Ravens that defence bent a little bit but certainly didn't break but I just wonder as weeks go on you know week two already and you've got 14 15 players on IR at some point the, the rubber's got to meet the road and, and you're just not going to be able to sustain that high level of of play because you, you just have too many players out
3: I think that could be okay Absolutely. because they'll be playing the, the Jags in Wembley <laughs> this week. So I think that, that's, a, that's a week off. That
1: Jags offence is what? terrible. No, no, hold on. What? Jags in Wembley, great record over the last two years. That's and actually true. Interesting, Clancy mentioning Marshall on is such the key because what's been great about the Ravens the last two weeks, which hasn't been good for the last season or so, is the run-pass balance is right back up there to basically 50-50 this past week. And actually, they managed to make a backfield of Buck Allen, Terence West and Alex Collins look like one of the best rushing attacks in the league take away a guard as good as yonder and suddenly that could start Mm. to fall over and we do like that Jags defensive front that's why I'm feeling a little bit positive about it also I am very excited about Baltimore and we'll talk about this later in the week when we speak to a few of the Ravens players because uh, do you know they're coming over to London by boat
2: I didn't know they were coming by boat but I knew there was a lot of them coming over
1: they are they are on a boat right now which has a hundred-yard re- practice the, the ra- field on it. The, the, the ravens, ravens are. The, the no ravens man,
3: this is. is a this is a this is a, a an April Fools that they've rehashed. I think. Yeah,
1: I know. Oh, I, I was see. trying to see if I could catch oh, you. Oh, few. Except it's October or September. Yeah, or yeah. I wanted to because it was tweeted out again today by Ed. Uh, oh, okay, okay. I wanted to see if I could catch people out on it. Uh, Damn
2: it. Do
3: you want to yeah. do that bit again, man?
1: No, you, you I don't. You for it. it. A
3: bit like, like the San Diego, char- San Diego San Diego Chargers bit you cut out. I well,
1: the problem is you know, I didn't cut that out because I'm far too. You, you are you are misbalancing, Simon <laughs> and Ollie. My <laughs> desire to sound good with my utter laziness <laughs> which true. side of the scales will tip heavier almost every time Yeah, okay.
2: Can I just make some points about the Browns as well because yeah. I had reasons to be cheerful I mean Kaiser had to leave the game because he had a migraine and um, sort of people chuckled a little about it and, but actually he's got a sort of hereditary history of migraines had them in high school didn't suffer from them at all in college but he used to have them quite a lot in high school and they, they had been dealt with when he was at Notre Dame. So perhaps just something to keep an eye on. Kevin Hogan came off the bench and did, did a pretty good job. I think, I think the biggest issue for them is skill position players now, because I, I, I do believe, I firmly believe that Deshaun Carter is their quarterback now. And I think that that's somebody you can build a franchise around. I'm not saying he's a franchise quarterback, but I'm saying there's more than enough um, peripheral evidence, as it were, to, to suggest that he could be finally the guy. Now you've got a stacked talent around him, and they've got enough draft picks accumulated for the next two seasons to be able to do that but Corey Coleman yet again got injured broken hand he's Mm -hmm. gonna he's gonna go on IR so that leaves essentially Rashad Higgins their number one receiver now the fifth round pick last year that that's an awful lot of pressure on a fifth round pick from from last year he had a great game he did have a really good game and he's he's a nice player but it's a lot of pressure on a fifth round pick to think that you are now going to be the number one guy to a to a rookie quarterback who's going through some of those rookie quarterback growing pains Kenny Britt had yeah. one catch for two yards. You know, you would hope and pray that Josh Gordon sorts his life out off the field and, and overcomes the illnesses that he has. If he can do that, then all of a sudden, that because he is a phenomenal player, that is you know, that is a an option for Cleveland going forward to think, actually, there is a really, really good player here who could really help out. Now, I don't know where he is in terms of his mindset, how close he is to getting back, and obviously how long it would take him. It's been a long time since he's played. But it, it's those sort of players, those sort of pieces... That the Browns need. David and Joku caught a touchdown pass yesterday and played pretty well in spots. So, you know, there is a there is a a sense around the Browns that they're beginning to pick it up. Joe Thomas obviously had his ten thousand snap yesterday, which without you know he's played every single snap in every single game since he was drafted. And this was a guy I can remember on draft day when when he was picked. People were either and this was a day kind of back when everybody turned up into the green room. There were a few people in the green room. Where was Joe Thomas on draft day? I don't know if either of you know. No. No? No. I a guess no. where he might be. At his home? No, fishing. he was out fishing. He, <laughs> sat, on Lake. he sat on a boat, miles from anywhere. no phones, no anything. He only realised where he ended up when he got back to I think he was the third or second or third overall pick. I only realised when he got back home where he'd gone. That's the kind of guy he is. Yeah, but to, to never have missed a snap in his entire career, to me, is utterly, utterly phenomenal. And, you know, uh, what a player he is, straight straight to the Hall of Fame. Jamie Collins yeah. suffered a concussion yesterday as well. That's got to be a bit of con- concern but reasons to be cheerful if you're a Browns fan and you haven't been able to say that much since Bernie Kozar
1: <laughs> I, I believe that Tim Couch was the answer um, yeah. look, uh, what was let's, the question yeah <laughs> who should not have started this horrible <laughs> yeah. quarterback run in Cleveland um, uh, I, I so you've as always been very kind with your time, but I did very quickly want to touch on before we went away. Another team coming over to London this year is the Rams. They'll be facing off with the Cardinals and they were very much in the game with Washington uh, yesterday. The reason I kind of wanted to mm. get into this with you, Washington finished 27 to 20 winners. And there was lots of reasons to be positive. Todd Gurley looking like Todd Gurley again, had two separate yep. hurdles in the game. The big one being the one for the touchdown that everyone got very excited about, Uh, We can talk about the Washington injuries. We can talk about how they drove very well at the end to win the game. But I just want to get your thoughts as someone who has followed, uh, you know, uh, guys coming out of college and the draft so closely for years on the development of Jared Goff. Because there were were a couple of moments yesterday which showed me both why I had some positivity and also why he's so frustrating. There was the big completion to Gerald Everett where... Yeah. He, he saw the pressure coming he evaded the pressure he kept his eyes downfield waited for the guy to get open and then threw under a second load of pressure and made a really good pass and then there was the terrible interception which ended the game yeah. for him where he just didn't read the defence at all it was as simple as could possibly be for Washington and it went from the kind of oh maybe he is oh wait there's that again and I just yeah. I can't I mean, find I think- where I land on him
2: I suppose, I mean, what you have got to look at is that this time last year, he was still a backup quarterback to Case Keenum. You know, he, he, these are not kids now coming out of college from conventional pro-style offenses. These are kids coming out of, you know, fun and gun. Off. You know, what, what we refer to as the fun and gun offenses of uh, the Steve Spurrier era. I mean, you talked about Tim Couch there. Yeah, Tim Couch came out of a Kentucky offense run by Hal Mummy, which was five wide receivers, no running backs, uh, and literally just, you know, chucking the ball downfield every single snap. Uh, and that that back then was a was a rarity in college football. And Mummy was seen as a, kind of this weird innovator, and Spurrier was this kind of weird innovator. And and now every offense is like that. There are very few pure pro style offenses. So Jared came out of that system. It is always going to take time to acclimatize to to the pace of the NFL, to the pace of the players that you're playing against. You know there are no, you know there's no walk-ons in the NFL. You know even the free agent guys are, you know special athletes. So. It is going to take time. Don't forget, he's also now. This is the third head coach he's worked under, essentially. Sean McVay, because he then worked under um, Jeff Fisher. Obviously, who's was his first coach, uh, and then um, when Fisher was fired, it was the the special teams coach, who's uh, Jim Thingy Such so Jim Fossil, son. Uh, Jim, Jim <laughs> Yeah, you know him. Um, so you know, there, there is, and obviously, there's a change of offense, a change of verbiage, a change, all those different things. That he has to work through. I I, I think there are certainly signs of that. You know, look, at the end of last season, people were like, "Oh, he's a bust." He's a, it used to it used to take three or four years for people to say that somebody was a bust. Now it takes half a season because that's ultimately what he had—half a season. I mean, his first game was in the pouring rain against the Dolphins. They almost won that game, apart from two very late Dolphin touchdowns. You know, he's had half a season plus first first week last week where he was absolutely superb. You know, made a few really good throws and like you said he made a few good throws this week Uh, he's got to learn not to stare down receivers which is what he did for that interception because it made it very clear that that was where he was going to throw the ball he's got to start he's got to learn to look off players just the little nuances of the game that you know do take a little bit of time to pick up only the very special ones have that ability when they come out uh, uh, and that's rare but Mm. I I think he'll be fine I think he'll be fine he's helped by the fact that Gurley is back you know Cooper Cup is playing very well Robert Woods is fine but let's let's be honest, you know, if Sammy Watkins can stay healthy, then you've probably got a number one receiver. But these guys, will be, you know, Cup is a uh, is a rookie. He's probably a three. Woods is a is a probably a three in terms of you know receiver number on the depth chart. That's going to take a bit of time. Gerald Everett is a rookie tight end from South Alabama, a very small school. He's taking an enormous leap up, so it's just going to take a little bit of time for these guys to gel. But I think Goth will be absolutely fine. And frankly if you're looking for a head coach to help do it, you know, if, he, if he's not going to develop under Sean McVay, he's not going to develop at all. But I don't think we can write the book on Jared Goff probably till the end of next season. You know, if we're having that, this conversation saying he's still making those sorts of mistakes, at that point, you're going to be a bit concerned. I think if you're you know, a Rams fan, you're a bit frustrated. I think if you're in the Rams front office, you'll be like, you know what? He is on track and uh, he's going to be fine. So I, I think, you know, much like the Cleveland Browns reasons to be cheerful, but you know, work to do. I, I think you'll get there.
1: Simon, I could listen to you talk about football all day, but I've got to let you go and, and be a, a father or do go to the cinema or whatever it is you're spending the rest of your evening doing. That's far too busy to hang around with us. Uh, but he's
3: right. <laughs> he's right to do that.
1: Simon Clancy, you're a hero, and I love you very much. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, yeah I'm a big fan, Will, and you, Wally. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> Thanks, no mate.
4: Trolley with your favourite brands on rollback at Asda. A 38-pack of fairy non-bio capsules was £8.50, now £5.75. And Lenore Gold Fabric Conditioner was £4, now £2.50. Big brands, small prices. Don't compromise. Asda. Save money, live better. Selected stores subject to availability. Lenore 1.925 litres. Ends 18th of March. <laughs>
1: Thank you too much, Sherry. Thank you to Simon Clancy. Just a few more games for us to get through. I'm aware that this podcast is going very, very, very long. So we're just going to rattle our way through these last... I, I, by my mass five games. But I mucked this up last time. So I'm hoping it really is five games. Let's just throw them at one another. Ollie, I want you to talk about Jets Raiders.
3: Oh, come on. Okay, Jets Raiders. <laughs> no, no, no. Do you know what, though? The Oakland Raiders were outstanding. I loved... Their offense in this game, using various different packages, not just notwithstanding uh, Derek Carr, who three intercept, uh, three touchdowns, all to Michael Crabtree, who was excellent on the day. But rushing, Jalen Richard, Corderell Patterson, Marshawn Lynch also looked good. All three of those got touchdowns. Corderell Patterson, uh, the the forgotten man, who I offered to take a ride in my uh, Fiat 500 when he was part uh, of the, about that. <laughs> when he was part of the Minnesota so Vikings. It. Um, but uh, yeah, Oakland looked really good. New York, not so much. Uh, there was a bit of garbage time stuff, a bit of gunk stuff. Uh, in in, in the end, yeah, in the it, it, I'm I'm hoping it will take off. In that second quarter, they they they, they scored a touchdown and they scored a touchdown in the fourth. Uh, Jermaine Curse, who they picked up from the Seahawks, looked pretty good actually. Maybe the only decent thing about their offense, but. Yeah, I think it will be between them and the Colts. If the Colts don't get Andrew Luck back for that number one pick,
1: uh, I'm gonna just, throw to you. Just, I'm um, just before you. Oh no, do no, that, you have your two penneth. Go on. I just want to raise about this game one point. Marshawn Lynch had a great game. Oh yeah, a great, great reaction. The best play of the weekend was when the Raiders were on the one yard line. Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. They audibled out to a throwing play. And the audible they used was Seattle, 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 and then threw the and then through a touchdown pass, and it was some of the best shade throwing yeah. looking back to Super Bowl forty nine. It had to be Marshall Lynch's idea. I generally don't like Marshall Lynch as a personality, but I think I might like him just because of that.
3: Do you like him more because of that? Because it is the Seahawks and your Dislike no, of No, I,
1: I would. I, I would like that. Whoever it was, but okay, I'm sure good. it doesn't. I'm sure it helps that it was the Seahawks. And guess which uh... game
3: I want you to talk about.
1: Oh, he's going to be 49ers Seahawks. No, isn't Buffalo.
3: It? Can, no, 49ers Seahawks, please. Yeah.
1: Uh, Seahawks 12, 49ers 9. The Seahawks um, uh, putting together a really good touchdown drive, and it was a really good touchdown drive to win the game. Paul Richardson's nine yard pass with a broken finger. Fantastic to you, Paul yeah. Richardson. Um, uh, with seven minutes 06 left, winning the game uh, eventually after forcing a three and out. But you know what? Carlos Hyde ran the ball really well. The defence looked half-decent. Russell Wilson continued to struggle. Oh, God, I don't know what that was. Behind that bad offensive line, the 49ers could have actually come away from this game with a win, and the game management was much better from Kyle Shanahan in his second game as head coach. So he's learning. It was a positive performance. The Seahawks still potentially have some real problems. I'm looking forward to seeing them go up against a really good team at home and seeing what balance that brings. yeah. yeah. Ollie, for making me talk about that, you can talk about the Bears.
3: (laughs) The Bears, they lost in Tampa Bay 7 points to 29. It was the first game of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after, of course, their first uh, the the week one game between them and the the Dolphins was washed out because of Hurricane Irma. Um, James Winston looked really nice, really good. I liked what he was doing. Um, Jaquiz Rogers, not too shabby on the ground. I think Doug Martin will probably take his job when he comes back in two weeks time. Uh, Mike Evans, you said it, I can't remember whether you said it off air or or during the show, but uh, he was happy that he was covered one-on-one and not double covered. And that's because of Deshaun Jackson coming in, the other weapons of Breit and Howard, they also need covering. So I really like what they did on offense. And then that defense. Uh, Wow. I mean, (laughs) what they've got going there, they look pretty much legit. I don't know about you. Bears side, I'm not. To, I'm not. You know, Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon's Mike Glennon. Mitch Trubisky will be in if Mike Glennon has another Mike Glennon game next week.
1: Uh, and I think, uh, yeah, the the fans are calling for him already. That is the real concern, Mike Glennon. Yeah, say two interceptions. Not a good game for him. The Bears are going to have a tough year so
3: for making me talk about the Bears. Please tell me what happened between Buffalo and
1: Carolina. Look, there is some love to be given out in this game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the Panthers defense. Yeah. Six points. 393 yards in 2 games against NFL teams and the bills let's not forget who had an offense who yes against the jets it was against the jets but got some stuff going and you have to respect that even a team in this league if they had the worst 53 players they're still 53 players good enough to be in the NFL so the panthers defense incredibly impressive potentially up there with the very best of them in the league in a in a couple of weeks where we're going to be talking a lot about the quality of defenses across this show across the across everything we do because the quality of defences is what has mm. stood out. Buffalo struggled and I still think Cam Newton struggled as well but they put just about enough together. It was a nutritional game. It wasn't an exciting game but the main thing is just allowing three points for two straight weeks against NFL NFL offences. The Panthers look legit on that side they of the ball. They
3: do on that side of the ball. Sad news on the other side. Greg Olson, non-contact injury Broke his foot.
1: Horrible. Absolutely horrible. G- absolutely gutted see. because
3: he is uh, legitimately maybe the third best tight end in the NFL when he's fit. I'm so gutted about that because, okay, fantasy-wise, I'm hoping that means more goes to Kelvin Benjamin as that big guy, but you never want to see a player get injured, especially one <laughs> as talented as him.
1: Moving on. Cardinals-Colts, please, Ollie. Cardinals-Colts.
3: Uh, everyone thought that the Colts would come in... Uh, sorry, the Cardinals would come in and not blow away the Colts, but, you know, swat them away as uh, the pesky annoyance that they are. But the Colts were in this. It it went to overtime. The Cardinals winning, running out 16-13 winners thanks to uh, a field goal. Fr- field goal redemption, would you say? I'd say redemption uh, from, was it Phil Dawson who missed... The original game, potentially game-winning field goal in the last moments, he managed to slot one home. Um,
1: I, uh, I'm not going to lie, Ollie. I hate everything about this game. It's, yeah,
3: I it's hate... a terrible game. Let's move on.
1: <laughs> I think Icing I the kicker working for a second time in a week yeah. is the worst thing that could possibly happen to the NFL. What this game told me was the Cardinals on the offensive side of the ball are without David Johnson yeah. as bad as they come. This is a game that they really could have lost until late on and it just proves just how bad the colts are because when you're at home and you're coming up against a team who are playing that badly on one side of the ball and you lose thanks to conceding all the points in the fourth quarter bad bad football what i will say is the cardinals defense do still look like a real unit tieran matthew had a great game and if pat peterson happens to listen to this after i've interviewed him i'm really sorry can we still be best friends please patrick
3: go on pat Pat loves you, I'm sure.
1: Uh, (laughs) We'll find out in a couple of hours. Look, Ollie, it's been really good fun, but it's also been really, really, really long. So we're going to leave it there. Any final thoughts from Yao?
3: Um, No. Have fun with Pat.
1: Gridiron on Twitter. Gridiron party, after party, Dolphin Saints. Get your tickets. They're going like warm cakes. Um... And touchdown trips, getting you in the game. If you're going to book anything, book it with Ben because he will get you the best package deal, uh, the best class, the best prices, all of that stuff. Thank you very much for listening. I'm going to go and get a nap. This has been The Gridiron Show.